what I did was just like put on blinders and just focus on like what I can do to move on up and not what advantages or disadvantages I have. I am unwilling to give up that I will start over from scratch as many times as it takes to get where I want to be. I want to be. You just want to make sure you will get knocked down, but just make sure you don't get knocked out. Knocked out. So your only choice should be go focus on what you can control. 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 Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Kara Golden Show. Join me each week for inspiring conversations with some of the world's greatest leaders. We'll talk with founders, entrepreneurs, CEOs, and really some of the most interesting people of our time. Can't wait to get started. Let's go. Let's go. Hi, everybody. It's Kara Golden from Unstoppable, and we're here today with Christina Rodolfo, who is the beauty director of Women's Health and so much more. And I'm very, very excited to get her opinion on so many things. But for those of you who do not know Christina, she oversees the beauty coverage across print and online. She's an expert on product testing and identifying trends and service reporting and really shines when she's deep diving into the intersections of beauty and identity. I've been following her on social and everything that she's doing. So she's definitely influencer in a different kind of way, somebody that is truly educational and I love seeing what she's doing. And she was on the digital team at Elle another one of those amazing, amazing books, and senior beauty editor, where she reported and co-produced the Webby Award, nominated documentary, Beat New Drag Queens, and she has also been a beauty editor at Pop Sugar, and also has made many different great writing pieces for InStyle, Harper's Bazaar, so many. I mean, you're just like... Uh, style caster into the globe's great. Well, anyway, welcome, welcome, welcome. We're very excited to have you here and and get right into the conversation. So really excited to have you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm honored to be on this podcast. It is definitely a top listen for me. Yay, so great. So take us back to the beginning, before Women's Health, before even any of these publications, who was Christina in college? Like, what would your friends say about you? What did they think you wanted to do? I think they would say that I am ambitious and stop at nothing and don't sleep. (laughs) I definitely was known to be a a little go-getter. And I, I chose to go to NYU because it would keep me in the city. And I'm from Queens, so I grew up in New York. But I knew that going to NYU would give me an edge on some people who could only intern in the summer. So I made sure from the very first semester of college, when I'm 18 years old, to start working towards this dream of being a magazine editor. So that definitely defined my college years, you know, hustling from how did you do that like I mean that's so smart like how did you do that did you just reach out to the magazines a lot of it was just proactively searching every job board there was (laughs) you know this is pre-instagram so I'm just like hunting on all the websites that are listing different internships and a lot of it was also people who I knew just from school which was also a a reason why I wanted to go to NYU is there's a lot of like-minded people who had internships prior and can introduce you or connect you to their former supervisor. So that's how I was able to get some of my first opportunities. And then from there, it was just impressing the hell out of my editors and hopefully having them take me along on their other other jobs. 
That's so great. Really, really smart. And were you always doing beauty? No, I actually wanted to be a fashion editor. That was the that was the big dream. Like I wanted to be a fashion editor and that was it for a long time until I worked at InStyle briefly and it was a freelance job. I was like laid off from my very first job when I was working at a startup. And in between that time, I found a job working as a fashion writer at InStyle. And when I was there, I was like, oh, I don't think I belong in the fashion space. I don't think I love it enough. You know, one piece of advice I always give people is that you should know what you don't want to do also in addition to what you want to do. So when I was there and I saw the passion and fire of editors who are working in fashion, just so obsessed with, you know, they, they can name runway looks like runway look number seven from 1997 at Versace or something like that. And I was like, oh, I don't think I'm in the same level here. So I think that my interest level just wasn't there for fashion, even though I had such an appreciation and love for getting dressed in personal style myself. But personal style was such a different thing from actually wanting to be in the fashion industry and a fashion editor. So, but that is so important and that you like learn that about yourself. Cause one of the things that I always tell people is like finding your passion. Mm -hmm. And even, you know, I say I have four kids and I always say like, that's my dream as a parent is like, I, I mean, I obviously want my kids to be really happy, but I want them to figure out, I mean, fast forward for so many adults I know that have just been on this race where like they'll join, they'll work in Wall Street or Mm -hmm. they'll go to Silicon Valley and go work. And, you know, it sounds great. And then they get there and then they're like doing the same stuff and they're just not really passionate about what they're doing. So I love, you know, very early. I mean, an internship is like the best way to go and test the waters of what you do and don't like. Absolutely. Yeah. And none of it was a waste of time either. That's like another thing that I say to people like, oh, you know, like none of it's a waste of time, but especially when you, you know, you have an opportunity to go and see these things before you really even have to get a job. You yes, know what I mean? Yes. Like, which is so really, really smart. It was a great privilege. How often have you thought about learning a new language only to be stopped by that memory of yours from the last time you tried to learn a language when it didn't go so well? Okay, maybe it wasn't a language that you were interested in learning, or perhaps all those poorly written textbooks in your sixth grade class weren't that well written after all. I have a great tip for you. It's called Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program around, available on desktop or app, no matter where you choose to learn it or what platform you choose to learn on, Rosetta Stone works, and it truly immerses you in the language you choose to learn, quicker and easier than you ever imagined to. Maybe you're getting ready to travel abroad this summer and you want to learn a bit of Portuguese, let's say, before your trip. Rosetta Stone can help. I know this firsthand as I did just this before traveling to Portugal last year. I learned Portuguese through Rosetta Stone, and by doing so, I not only got a better grasp of the spoken language of Portugal, but it got me very excited for the trip itself before I went. They even have a true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation as you are learning, too. They've got you covered. Rosetta Stone's trusted experts are the real deal. They've been helping people just like you for over 30 years helping millions of people to learn Spanish, French, Italian, German, Korean, Chinese, Japanese, Dutch, Arabic, Polish, and my favorite, Portuguese. The lessons are five to 10 minutes long and include practical exercises 
so that you can pick up the language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. No English translations either, so you really learn to speak, listen, and think in the language you are focused on, helping you get the long-term retention you are looking for. And who wouldn't want that? Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, the Kara Golden Show listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today today. In today's world, which I will admit can at times seem filled with too much of the wrong information, it's essential to find a good source that truly gets to the heart of what I want to know. I am super excited about our next sponsor as I've been a big fan of their content for some time now. That sponsor is the Washington Post. Their depth on topics from business to tech isn't just impressive, it's essential reading for me. Whether I'm catching up on the latest tech trends or understanding how the day's news truly impacts my family, the Washington Post is my trusted source. Let's talk specifics. Their business and tech coverage, absolutely top-notch. Just imagine having the most insightful articles at your fingertips, including the unparalleled AI reporting from Drew Harwell or the pulse on tech and online culture from Taylor Lorenz. And the best part? You can listen to articles just like you listen to this podcast, making it perfect for your busy lifestyle. I was just reading an article from one of my favorite Washington Post writers, Frances Stead Sellers. She covers entrepreneurs like myself, but also covers other interesting topics, including health, as well as some very interesting books. I also love getting their For You newsletter, which is their roundup of stories tailored just for my interests, right in my inbox every evening. The Washington Post app is super well done, I think. It makes it incredibly easy to stay up to date and follow my favorite journalists on the go. And if you ever thought that the Washington Post is just about politics, think again. They cover everything under the sun, from climate and culture to crosswords and cooking, providing a world of surprising stories and vital insights. Okay, enough of the love fest that I have for the Washington Post. Here's the deal. Being a listener of the Kara Golden Show has its benefits, and this one is too good to miss. Now is the time to sign up for the Washington Post. Go to WashingtonPost.com slash Kara Golden to subscribe for just 50 cents per week for your first year. That's 80% off their typical offer. So this is truly a steal. Once again, that's WashingtonPost.com backslash Kara Golden to subscribe for just 50 cents per week for your first year. And I think what led me to beauty was when I first started working at Elle, I was an associate editor. So I did a general, I was a general coverage person. So I did everything from, you know, celebrity news to fashion news and some beauty as well. So whenever I would get assigned beauty, I noticed something shift inside of me. Like I felt like really excited and inspired to write those kinds of stories. So I started pitching them more and more. And the more that I pitch, the more I realize, okay, I think this is going to be the niche. This is the one that I want to be in. And a lot of my previous editors, mentors, whether they started in fashion or not, ended up 
in beauty. So I was, and a lot of my peers, like people that I interned with ended up in beauty. And I was like, these people are figuring something out. What is it? That, what is it that is drawing everybody yeah. to this, yeah. to this side of the industry? And as I, as I dipped my toes in the water, I realized, I think what really drew me was at the bottom of everything for me is a passion for storytelling. Mm-hmm. And I love the human connection that comes with reporting and journalism. And when it comes to beauty, I think it's one of the most universal connectors of people. Like everyone from, you know, an an 80 year old grandma to a 12 year old tween can talk about lipstick or, you know, a face cream or something that they love. And it's such a great way to talk about identity and your values and your style. And it's a lot more accessible to me than fashion was because as much as I love you know, this Louis Vuitton look, not sure I could have afforded it when I was 22, you know, so but I could buy a lipstick from, you know, a designer brand like Dior at Sephora. And I felt like that accessibility was what really, really inspired me and wanting to reach a lot of people and help them feel their best. So the more I did that, the more I realized it's it started very young. I have a younger sister and she was a little bit of my guinea pig. I would fix her hair and get it all tangled up in knots. <laughs> and I would, I loved I braiding love and playing with makeup and going to the drugstore after school and junior high and buying some lip gloss. Like it was always a, a common thread throughout my life that as I started working in the beauty industry, realized it's been a lifelong thing. It's so interesting. I think, you know, hearing, obviously, when you came into the industry, there was clearly like print editions and digital. And now I feel like it's merging. Mm -hmm. You know, I think there's so many industries where there's these changes that are going on right now. But obviously, the, the print industry, like, what do you think are like the key differences that you see for you know, you've worked in print, you've worked in digital, what do you think are like those kind of key things that people should think about? I think anybody who wants to be a reporter, a journalist in this time has to be, you have to adapt, you know, like you can't go in with a set mind of wanting to only be a print editor or only wanting to be on a website because being able to do it all is the best asset that you could have. So the key differences I would say is the pace print, you know, you're planning up to six months in advance and it's, you're kind of, you kind of have a crystal ball. You're like, what's going to be happening in the world six months from now, which right now, obviously who knows, <laughs> but, right. yeah, but totally. you know, you're just using your skills to trend forecast and, and to really think about a time that's not here yet. Whereas with digital, it's like, you're reacting to things in real time. You have to be on top of it. And the pace is so much faster. When I was working more online and in news, it was like something could happen in five minutes or 10 minutes later, you have to have something up because just because of the sheer competition of it, which is harder to measure when it comes to print magazines. So I think with print, you have a little bit more room to do like a big spread and have a a little bit more time to report stories and go in depth. And online, you still, you can do that too. But I think that there's a, a huge premium placed on being fast and being first. No, I think that that's so right. What do you think, I mean, obviously you're in the beauty industry and taking a close look at so many different companies that are going on right now. What do you Mm -hmm. think is going on in terms of innovation? Do you feel like that has changed for the industry overall? I was just reading this article. I didn't actually finish it, but it was in a business publication and it was Bill Gates was talking about that innovation has slowed in so many industries. And he didn't actually talk about beauty, but I think it's fascinating. Like, 
you know, as factories shut down in different parts of the world at different times, like, how do you feel like that's hit beauty? I mean, just from being the recipient, right, of getting products, obviously, and seeing different types of innovation, do you see it big? I mean, what's your gut on that? Do you think it has slowed? I think that it's slowed in certain categories like makeup, like obviously a lot of people are staying home right now. And if I, I got all dolled up for you, but you know, I would usually be in my sweatpants and having no makeup on whatsoever and just sunscreen because I'm next to a window. But I think that makeup has definitely slowed down and that part of the industry is kind of recalibrating and, and trying to appeal to Gen Z, which is a lot, they're more into like the no makeup, makeup sort of vibe and also adapting to people who are at home and don't want a full face. I feel like for the longest time, the Instagram face of thick eyebrows and big lashes and, you know, contouring and highlighting, I feel like that was so popular. And then now it's all about pairing back. So I think that's one big difference. And then in the other categories, I think everything's growing actually. More and more people are invested in skincare because they have the time at home to try all those gadgets. And you can't see your facialist, at least up until recently in New York, you couldn't go get a facial. Totally. And, you know, or you might not even want to just because of the implied risks. I feel like you are so much more inclined to try things at home because we have to stay home. So I have a box of like crazy gadgets and I'm not the average person because I work in this industry, but even my girlfriends who don't work in this industry are asking me things about microcurrent tools to like help firm and lift the face or high frequency tools to help, you know, get rid of acne and all of these. It's really funny hearing my, my friends who I, you know, didn't used to be into all these gadgets getting into it. So they're into it. Yeah. That's so <laughs> funny. What's the hottest thing that you've seen lately that you thought was like the most interesting? The most interesting. Hmm. I feel like the the facial rollers, like they're not new, but I think that it's like a gateway and it's an entry point for people to get into facial tools because you can go like really sciencey gadgety, or you could just, you know, do the manual rolling of the face, which honestly feels very calming. And I have an absurd collection of them and they all do different things. I had heard about those a few years ago from Katie Fields. Mm-hmm. Do you know who Katie Fields? I don't know her, but yes. She's, anyway, they were sort of, it, Rodin and Fields mm-hmm. from Rodin and Fields. And she's a dermatologist and she was sort of oh, the- yeah, of course. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Back end of proactive. And she was speaking to a group of entrepreneurs and leaders and I got a chance to meet with her and I asked her that question. And she said this like a couple of years ago and I was like, wow. And then she was saying the same thing. She was like, look, people come into my office, they do Botox, they do all these different, you know, things. But at the end of the day, like that roller Mm -hmm. is like, pretty darn good. So I don't know. And she also said the same thing that you did, that it was so calming. So that's very, very interesting (laughs) that you say that too. I love gadgets just overall. Like I, I was telling you before we started recording that I'm like, you know, sitting here in my little office trying all kinds of lights and microphones and cameras and everything. Now is the time to do it. (laughs) Now's the time to do it. That's super, super great to know. So you've worked in lots of different publications, obviously, some great ones. What do you think are kind of the key differences between maybe some that have both print and digital and ones that are just like a pop sugar that is just purely digital? So when I was at Pop Sugar, I would call it, I would describe it as 
digital media bootcamp just because it's, I learned so much about analytics and tracking analytics and strategy and, you know, trying to make things go viral. And it was so intense of a pace that I learned everything that I possibly could about digital media there. And it's such a huge, a huge media company. Like it's actually insane how many people read the site. And, yeah. and how many people you could reach. So I think from that, when I was reporting on beauty there, it was so much more about being in the moment and really like this product is launching, this brand is launching, you know, we would even report on things like beauty bloggers who create really a really cool video that has a hack that everybody should know about. So my eyes were on every corner of the beauty industry and, and the, the hidden corners too. Like I was really looking for everything and trying to be the first to report on that. And I would say that the difference from Pop Sugar to going to L, which was also my role there was only digital. I would say the difference was, it was less about being part of the the launch conversation and product reviews and all of that, and more about taking beauty and putting it up against what's happening in the world today. So it's like understanding its cultural significance of a beauty trend, understanding the social significance of a beauty trend and like really getting really cerebral with it, which I appreciate it because it was, it's definitely challenging to always think different layers of beauty and not, not just go with whatever the, the surface story is. And now I would say that working in print and digital, it's also extremely different in print is where I'm able to explore things like, which is a a passion of mine, like psychology and beauty. You know, I wrote a story about from the March issue about acne because I have had acne my whole life and my skin's behaving now, but I had acne my whole life. And there was a period in time when it was really horrible cystic hormonal acne. And it was like 30 cysts at a time. And I was, I felt like I couldn't walk out the door. And I think the reason, well, I suspected the reason was because of my mental state at that point, I was in a toxic relationship. And, you know, part of me was thinking, oh no, this, this is all just coincidence right now. But of course, as soon as I broke off the relationship, my skin cleared, like my skin totally cleared up. And so that inspired the story where I talked to psychologists and dermatologists and really explored, you know, how acne and your mental health can be related. So doing things like that and having the space to do that in like a six page spread in the magazine is, is really wonderful. And then putting it online and thinking about, okay, well, how can we capture people's attention with, you know, with graphics, with images, with personal photos, like in the magazine, my face didn't show, but in the online version, there was a before and after of me, my skin then and my skin after it cleared up. And I think it's all about packaging and thinking how to reach people in different ways. You can't just like copy and paste them and think it's going to work. Yeah, definitely. Well, and I think more and more, I mean, this sort of relates to my industry, my day job of hint, Yes, but what I see going on in retail and in like grocery stores, I mean, is, is kind of, I think impulse buys have really been affected for the grocery industry in particular. Uh And so you look at like print in the grocery stores and obviously subscriptions are another way for people to get, you know, the paper copies, but you look at print and I mean, I've been working all through the pandemic. We're an essential product. So Mm -hmm. we've been going into stores and I took on a route through this whole process and was actually in there. And that's that's why I've got my jacket on today and (laughs) and going back to my roots of starting Hint. And But anyway, I mean, the thing that I've seen is that the majority of people that are at the cash register are actually Instacart workers. 
And so, you know, you think about like, if you order on Instacart, you're ordering things and then, you know, they print it out and they get a list. And so they're going into stores and typically people aren't saying, oh yeah, add that copy of that magazine, right? Or that pack of gum. Those Mm -hmm. are impulse buys that they see somebody on the cover or whatever. And so, like I've also said that I think that the digital piece of this industry is like becoming more and more important for people because I think people aren't like going to, you know, say, oh, I don't want that, you know, magazine anymore. They are just going to look at it differently and they're going to find it online and they're going to be like, oh, I forgot to order it through Instacart Mm -hmm. or you know, and again, totally. like, you know, I just, I think like at first it used to be like, oh, we'll put you in the digital version. And it was kind of like, you know, leftover business. Right. And I don't yes. think that that is like the case anymore. I think you're, no. I think those numbers are actually going to go up only because it's going to be out of your control because of consumers and sort of their behavior. And I don't know if you've thought about this, but it's something I just really been thinking about even for, you know, like gum manufacturers or people that really relied on Mm -hmm. on impulse buy, you know, and sort of like buying their way into this great space within stores. So anyway, I just... It's sort of a a whole other piece of this, but... No, that's a great point, though. The whole idea of like the importance of digital now. Like I I think that digital is prime real estate, if you're asking me... (laughs) Totally. <laughs> you know, yeah. And this will be your new argument when you're talking to people about, you know, where you want to be. Cause I think it will, I mean, my guess is that unfortunately, I think it's going to hit the paper version. Doesn't mean that mm-hmm. it goes away, but I think that the digital version will become that much more important because I think that the audience numbers will, will go under and the really smart publishers. I started my career in publishing. So I think about circulation and subscriptions and stuff. Mm -hmm. But I think the really smart publishers will actually try and figure out how do they get relationships with Instacart, right? Yeah, that's really smart. Right. And like, even if there's like, here I go, like thinking about businesses, like (laughs) if there's a way to put like a beauty column you know, how many people would want to see a beauty column by Christina on an Instacart (laughs) and you're recommending so that their, you know, cart ends up having, not that you're really in grocery stores or some of the stuff, some of the stuff. There's some great beauty products in grocery stores, actually. (laughs) Anyway, there you go. I gave Instacart and and you the next big business. Okay. (laughs) so, So you have huge Instagram following. I know like there's like this dream for you know, lots of people to have big Insta, but you not only have a big following, you have really great engagement too. And like, what do you think about every morning when you're like posting and stuff? Like, how do you, how do you think about that platform in particular? And do you think that there's other platforms that are really like interesting to you in particular? Sure. Instagram is the main one that I, where I definitely interact with people and readers and, and followers. And I think that the main thing that I would think about is just authenticity. Like it can't be said enough times, just really being true to who I am and sharing all of my weird sides, you know, like there, like there's times when at the beginning of the pandemic and and lockdown, I I started this silly series called (laughs) beauty karaoke, where I literally was karaokeing along while doing a beauty tutorial and I just because I enjoy I enjoy singing and and it's funny <laughs> 
And then on one of the episodes, I actually had Deborah Lipman herself come on while she was showing me a, a nail tutorial while we were singing like old show tunes. And it was wonderful. So it's things like that where I, I just try things, you know, and, and I just say like, here's how I am. I'm going to show up exactly how I show up to my family and in my inner circle. And, and hopefully it resonates with people. And I think that that social media is such a, a great tool for storytelling and for connecting with like-minded people and and feeling less alone honestly like I had no idea that this many people would care about about anything that I have to say you know and and it's a great tool because if I write a story that I worked really hard on then I have an audience that I could share it with that's in addition to the audience that the magazine has you know or someone who wouldn't have picked up the magazine and had no idea so I think authenticity and and also at the bottom of it all is is really just wanting to help people. Like for me, I love it. I think about every time I post something, I'm like, is this helping anybody? <laughs> you know, am I whether it's a, like a really cool product that I love or or a hack or career advice or you know just a, a suggestion for where to go for a weekend trip or something like that. I feel like those just that how can I help anybody with this is, is a great guide for me. I always feel like, you know, even the best kind of people to follow are the ones that almost think about this like a magazine, right? Like where you've got different sections. Like, I mean, you know, Mm -hmm. you're talking about your silly side on karaoke and, (laughs) but then you're talking about travel because people don't just Mm -hmm. like, I don't know. I feel like there's a whole audience missing when, you know, you're just talking about beauty, like in the case of, I'm definitely on Instagram and Facebook and LinkedIn, but Mm -hmm. Twitter's kind of my jam. I mean, that's where I'm Mm -hmm. at. And I always, as a CEO of a company, there's just not a lot of us on there. Like it's actually really, really fascinating to me. Twitter's intimidating to people. (laughs) Yeah. And you know, it's interesting because I've got people like we've definitely got an audience for Hint, my product, but what I find is like that platform in particular, I feel like people really expect you if you're showing up to kind of, you know, engage in the conversations, mm-hmm. you act human. Like when somebody says somebody, something nice, you say, thank you. I mean, I've had issues with my computer through this where like I'll be on Spotify and I'll be on YouTube and then all of a sudden I have no volume coming out of my machine. Do you know how to fix that problem? Like I didn't. <laughs> and I went to Twitter. I asked my like tech guy. I asked my husband who thinks, you know, he really knows technology and he didn't, nobody knew. And then finally I went onto Twitter and in 10 seconds, I actually had somebody who said, go into, you know, your mainframe and do this. And I'm like, how do I go into my mainframe? And I'm like, control this. And then of course, like, I'm like, is this a Russian hacker who's like in there (laughs) telling me to do this? Like, what am I doing? And then I was like, oh my God, like it. And then I was like, let me send you a case of hint. And, And again, like all these people came in and they're, you know, and they were like, that's so cool. Like, you know, and then I had people from Apple who were actually like, oh, we're really interested. Like, why was this happening? And mm -hmm. because all my computer and everything. But anyway, I think it's really interesting. Like what it showed was that even as a CEO of a company, like I've got computer problems Mm -hmm. too, or like I've got, you know, kids in college and I had one of my sons had to come home from college. He sadly had mono. And so of course I'm like, I was totally worried about COVID. Like mm-hmm. I was like COVID, COVID, COVID. And then all of a sudden he gets mono and he just gets really sick, oh, no. right? And so, and the great news is, is that 
all these classes now are virtual right. in addition, like the ones that are actually meeting in person are also virtual. So I was like, ah, it could be worse. Like it could, mm-hmm. but again, like showing my real side of pretty much anyone who follows me knows like she's got a kid in college. So I had to come home. She's got a book. She's got like company. She's got, you know, it's all, I'll do offers of hint, but that's not really what I talk about. I really talk about me as like, trying to lead during this Mm -hmm. like crazy time. And anyway, I just think it's no matter what, bringing your authentic self, like I always share with people, like it's just no matter what the platform is, they're all like a little bit different. But I think you don't just because you're a beauty editor have to do beauty. Yes. Like once you get this audience that brings them in maybe, but then all of a sudden they they're interested in what else you do and what else you think about. And so anyway, I think that's really cool. I totally believe that. You're setting a great example. Oh, thank you. I think it's relatability is the most important thing. The people that I most enjoy following are the ones who are vulnerable and show up and share their life. And it's honestly a scary thing. Like we have to acknowledge it's scary to have people, random strangers from all over the world, just, you know, tuning into your life. But I think that when you open yourself up to that, you can be rewarded with like an amazing community, which for like influencer influencers means that you can leverage that into a whole business or, but for me, it means that I can do a call out and get amazing ideas for a new story that I want to write. I love it. So the hustle and glow up on Instagram, like, yes. <laughs> like how did that come about? It came about a year ago when I started my job because I, it was one of those moments where I, I wanted to announce that I have a new job for, so that people would know. And I didn't want to just do a post where I was like, oh, hey, everyone, I have a new job, which didn't share exactly what it meant to me to become a beauty director at a major national magazine, which was the dream. It's been the dream since I was 14. So I reflected on that and decided to write this kind of caption that was, you know, almost like poetry, like writing about all the things that I did to lead up to this point, whether it was steaming clothes or fetching coffee and, you know, staying in the office when the lights turn off and all of those things, things that people don't see because people see a very glamorous side of being a beauty editor, which is you pre-pandemic getting facials and massages every day and, you know, (laughs) and blowouts and manicures and all of those fun things. So I wanted to share that little behind the scenes and it and it resonated so much with people. And I was getting messages from a lot of college students who are studying journalism or communications and really interested in, in working in media. So I would get so many questions of, you know, thank you for sharing your experiences. Can, do you have advice? And I was like, okay, well, how could I put this all together? And, uh, you know, once in a while, I'll post something that has to do with career advice. And it's not like a regular cadence or anything, but just whenever the inspiration strikes me if I'm working on something and I think, oh, this reminds me of when I was working as a social media person at a photo studio and, you know, all those kinds of lessons that I learned along the way and, and want to share because I feel like there's no point for me to be just successful, period. I need to help people and bring them along with me and share whatever knowledge I've gained over the years because I actually, coming up, I'm a Filipino woman. I feel like I didn't feel very reflected in in magazines, literally in magazines, but in my, what I was most interested in was the behind the scenes, the masthead and who was on yeah. the masthead. Yeah. And, and I used to pour over those names on the masthead, you know, dreaming that mine would be there. And every time I looked up people, they didn't look like me. And I, and I was just thinking like, how do I get in these rooms and how do I get here? And, you know, with a lot of hard work, I worked my way up and got to have a seat at the table, but 
to me, it wasn't enough for me to be there alone. Like I needed to bring other like Filipino young women and like Asian young women and other women of color. And every time I had an opportunity to hire people, I would do that. I would make sure that it was someone who, who didn't have that easy pathway up because, you know, there's a lack of mentorship. Yeah, definitely. Well, I also love that you didn't allow that to stop you because I think that that's like the biggest, you know, I mean, whether you're Filipino or whether you're a woman or, you Mm -hmm. know, whatever the block is in front of you, I think these Mm -hmm. blocks are real. Don't misunderstand that. But I also feel like, you know, there's so many examples like you, like me, who, you know, talk about through stories, really how these things change and supporting, you know, people that are are really working their way up. But what really, like, I think people need to figure out is, is that we're not asking you to, you know, go and do something that is horrible, right? Or work for right. unkind people or anything like that. But I think it's just, you know, you probably had to knock on a lot more doors or send a lot more emails or... I just remember, like, the only reason why I was able to compete with people was because I grew up in Queens and I could commute into the city an hour and a half. This is the time of unpaid internships when I was coming up. So in order to take an unpaid internship, you have to afford to live without money. (laughs) So you need to have a support system. And I couldn't have afforded that if I didn't live in Queens and could take an F train over to Midtown where I was interning with people whose parents were paying for their dorm over summer and while they were doing an unpaid internship. So there there was a lot of that. There's, you see a lot of people coming up who have a lot of support that you don't have. And you know, the easy thing is to be resentful, right. And be like, Oh, I'm working so much harder. It's so much tougher for me. But I think what I did was just like put on blinders (laughs) and just focus on like what I can do to move on up uh, and not what what advantages or disadvantages I have. It's so funny. You you made me think of a really funny story when I was, so my first job was at Time Magazine mm-hmm. and, and I wanted, I talk about it. At, I don't know if I mentioned this to you, but I have a new book coming out in three weeks. That I is saw, called, so exciting. Yeah, Undaunted, Overcoming Doubts and Doubters. And, you know, I felt like by telling my story, like all the way, it starts a little bit in childhood. So it's a little bit autobiography, but Mm -hmm. it's also definitely business of the building of Hint, and which is Mm -hmm. now the largest non-alcoholic beverage company in the country that doesn't have a relationship with Coke, Pepsi, or Dr. Pepper, Snapple. And Mm -hmm. so many people said like, this isn't going to happen. Like, and it has, I mean, like there's just a lot of stuff in there like if you want to be a beverage executive, it's a great book. If you want to be a, you know, an entrepreneur or a female entrepreneur or whatever. Mm-hmm. But one of the stories that uh, I had too much content and it ended up getting cut. <laughs> but one of my thing, favorite stories though. was when we ended up, and there's a pre-story to this, which I won't get into, but there we got into Amazon and mm-hmm. into their grocery business. Like 55% of our business is direct to consumer. Mm-hmm. And the person who was running the Amazon grocery that reached out to us actually had worked not, I didn't work for him or like even next to him, but he worked at time and worked on the same floor. And he knew me and he told me this. He was like, I remember that your work ethic, like you were always like such a hard worker. And again, like I always say to people, it's less about who you worked for. And like, if they worked in your group, it's really about like, 
people watch, right? Like around, mm-hmm. like if there's a job at another, you know, magazine and, you know, you may not have worked with these people, but they watch what you do, not in a creepy way, like they, but good and bad, right? Or even how you leave companies, right? Like it's like, you know, they may not know the whole story, but how you actually closed it up, right? Did you actually make sure that some of your coworkers were not like having to work extra hours in order to, make up for your stuff that you just like left on the table. You know what I mean? Like, I I think like Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. And so he was like, not only did I think you were a hard worker, but you were so authentic. And I was like, oh, what do you mean? And he said, I remember that there would be these lunches where we would order in lunch for the executives and like managers. And, you know, I was like, I started out as an executive assistant and I would tell these people, I was like, the first couple of times that they would order lunch and they'd have leftover sandwiches, I was like, oh my God, this is so good. Do you mind if I take a few home for dinner? And they were like, no, 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 not at all. So then I got to a point, I got really confident and comfortable. And I'd say, oh, by the way, order like extra turkey sandwiches and then you know I'll take them home. So then they were like, do you want anything else? We're ordering lunch. Do you want a couple more sandwiches? And again, I'm making like 20 something thousand dollars a year in New York (laughs) City, right? Mm -hmm. Like I'm trying to pay rent and all of the stuff. And so like some of the people that I worked with that were the same age would say like, aren't you embarrassed to like take sandwiches? I was like, are you kidding? This is like a publisher. (laughs) He knows how much money I make. Right. I mean, you get it. Oh my God. I totally understand this. Yes. I'm this poor, starving, like peon, right? Like who's working. And I'm like, wait, I'm sorry. Do you not understand that? Like they all know how much you make as an entry level role. And so, anyway, but 20 years later, somebody who's working at Amazon that is making decisions about me and my company is like still laughing about that in a very positive way. He was like, I loved it. Like you would, I would be like, you know, order more sandwiches for Kara because she's getting a picnic together with her girlfriends in Central Park tonight. Like we have to make sure like she has enough food. Otherwise (laughs) these guys are like in a waste away. And again, like bringing your authentic self, Mm -hmm. I think is something that Nobody told me that in school. I just didn't want to work somewhere where I wasn't really able to be myself. Right, right. And I'm sure you're, you know, you've got stories like that as well. But those are the type of stories that I really want to share with people that it's like... It's real. It's so real. real. And that's what you're doing on Instagram that I think (laughs) is great. And some of these, you know, in your writing and et cetera. So anyway, I just thought I'd share that little story with you. But so what makes you unstoppable? What makes me unstoppable? Oh man, the big question. I think what makes me unstoppable is my undying self-belief. Like I, of course, everyone has insecurities sometimes, but I just truly believe in my talent and my knowledge and what I can bring to the table that I can walk into rooms very confidently knowing that I know who I am and you will want to know me too. Yeah. I love that. That's such a great answer. So Where's the best place for people to find you? Instagram? Instagram is probably the, be- the best place where, where, where I will actually answer you. It's a, at Christina Rodolfo, my name. That's what I was going to say. So yes. that's awesome. And it's such a great site. So well, thank you so much, Christina. And everybody give Christina a great thumbs up on her podcast and definitely subscribe. Our recordings are twice a week now on Mondays and Wednesdays and very, very exciting. We're having all kinds of 
amazing, amazing people that are not just entrepreneurs, but really disrupting their industry and doing really, really cool stuff. And and also really nice people, real people. Tara, thank you so much. Yeah, I am like you. super honored to be on this podcast. And I, I just appreciate, you know, this was such a wonderful conversation. And and I just like love the the authenticity that was like showing through. And oh, yeah. I love it. Well, thanks everybody. Before we sign off, I want to talk to you about fear. People like to talk about fearless leaders, but achieving big goals isn't about fearlessness. Successful leaders recognize their fears and decide to deal with them head on in order to move forward. This is where my new book, Undaunted, comes in. This book is designed for anyone who wants to succeed in the face of fear, overcome doubts, and live a little undaunted. Order your copy today at undauntedthebook.com and learn how to look your doubts and doubters in the eye and achieve your dreams. For a limited time, you'll also receive a free case of Hint Water. Do you have a question for me or want to nominate an innovator to Spotlight? Send me a tweet at Kara Golden and let me know. And if you like what you heard, please leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. You can also follow along with me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn at Kara Golden. Golden. Thanks for listening.